Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. Tune in for the Digital Government podcast every Wednesday. Welcome back indeed to another episode of the Digital Government podcast and another episode that builds up to the 2022 eGovernance conference. This is your usual host, Federico Plantera. I'm a journalist, sociologist, and researcher. And today, our guest is, uh, of course, a special guest, like all uh, the speakers that are going to join us at the governance conference. And I'm talking about Siem Sikut, go former government CIO of the Estonian government, and now managing partner at his own new consultancy, Digital Nation. So welcome, Siem. Tere, as it is in Estonian. Hello. Welcome, and actually, welcome back. So. Uh, today, we're here to talk about, um, to introduce the topic that uh, you're going to address with your keynote and also the panel discussion at the governance conference, which is lessons from effective digital leaders. By all means, you're one of them. <laughs> I will say that. If you don't want to say that about yourself, I will say it. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, lessons also for effective digital leaders in the sense that we will um, address a little bit what have been some of the key uh, takeaways, let's say, from your experience. So in a way, a little bit of a retrospective, which is also something that you're doing with others at the moment, we'll get to talk about it, but also a bit of what lies ahead, let's say, you know, this is like a very common question, like what's the next big thing? What's the next thing? Here we will see a little bit, um, we will tackle, let's say, this, uh, this issue, this topic from the leadership perspective. But before getting to that, let's start with um, let's start with you. So what are you doing at the moment? Because you have been uh, in the civil service for like 17 years in Estonia, then five years as a government CIO. Uh, now you are about to take on and you have already took on actually like different uh, things and different challenges. So what's up in your life at the moment? Yes. Yeah, so I did leave Estonian government CIO role in the government in January uh, this year. So almost four months now soon. Uh, because my term was ending uh, in Estonia, the top civil servants come with a term of five years. And um, as I was about to end, then I just thought to myself as well that, look, perhaps it's time to get some new fresh energy into the team, you know, then to take also Estonian digital government to the next level again. And so I'm very glad that Luca Silva sort of, you know, took the bait and, <laughs> and took it over and is continuing very strong in that sense. But I myself, um, in Estonia, it is very easy let's say, to go back and forth with the government. So even if I spend some time there and now left, I can always go, go back in a way. So that really encouraged me to explore around a bit, uh, try the private sector life. And secondly, what, what appealed to me was that um, indeed trying to take some of my own and some of Estonia's very good uh, digital government practice to the wide world. I mean, that's what eGovernance Academy is doing. That's what many companies are doing. But the hunger for that experience and practical hands-on know-how and leadership know-how is still very big there out in the world. So, so trying to, uh, yeah, a bit help to alleviate that hunger. Yeah, and in order, like, uh, following, let's say, on this topic of the hunger for knowledge, you know, and also, like, passing on this type of knowledge and the lessons learned, I know that at the moment you are actually, uh, oh, no, you actually have already finished writing a book that is about uh, digital leadership and like these lessons learned exactly, but not only about your own experience, but also the experience of others. So uh, you have spoken to 20 uh, other digital leaders from around the world, no? Are there maybe like a couple of points, two or three key takeaways that from your own experience, you have also seen in other people's experience as digital leaders? So some sort of like common denominators that have in a way defined, let's say, 
I mean, not the past 20 years, but the past at least five to seven years, let's say, of digital innovation in government? I start from a bit of context in a sense of, of why the book came about, uh, which was, you know, first a hobby project during my, my, the end of my term still in government. And then now uh, feeds nicely in what do, what we do in digital nation, where we help you know, build like future ready digital societies elsewhere, and we help other leaders do their thing. So when digital government leaders, CIOs, uh, digital agency heads get together, you know, they meet each other, they visit each other, they have international meetings. The number one thing we talk about or they talk about is how did you do this or that? Like not about what are you doing, what are the strategies, but really I'd say like, like trying to pick each other's brains in a sense of like comparing and match, uh, matching notes, so to speak, of, you know, how do you fix some of the management and leadership challenges? Because fundamentally, these roles are leadership roles. You're trying to really lead the government on a digital transformation journey. Okay. So, and like we all benefited from these sort of chats, like I said, peer to peer. Um, and my, I started to think, uh, why not make some of these chats, so to speak, more widely available? So, and, and some of these sort of same sort of you know, learnings more widely available or, or insights more widely available. So this really led to yeah, picking 20 awesome peers from around the world, from all different continents and, and, and walks of life, um, sorry, th- types of countries, different digital maturity, stuff like that. The criteria was to say, which were really some of the people who made a significant impact on a digital transformation course in that country. So they don't all come really from countries that are really digitally the most mature necessarily, but really who made a difference and like a leap forward, uh, laid a leap forward in their time there. So, so that prompted this book and, and, and that prompted this, this thinking. Now, if you ask what's the biggest thing, I think two things. Then from my own experience and looking at what, the, what are some of the most common themes, even from the book and from, you know, uh, around the world are two things. First of all, a good leader, really, I mean, who makes a difference here is like dead focused on delivery, on making stuff happen. It's a mindset. Are you focused for results and, you know, just making stuff happen? But it's also there are many sort of, you know, tricks and things you can do with your own even daily work to make that happen. For example, where do you spend your time as a leader? Do you spend on really just like following through and following up on, let's say, like your core initiatives or you just like going into random coordination meetings all over the place? So where do you put your sort of time even for that matter? How do you set up your teams, the culture of your teams? How do you perhaps reform the structure of the organization? So there are many things that leaders have in the toolbox to really manage for delivery. And I think that's the number one differentiator between, let's say, who's successful or let's say who, who makes an impact and not are they managing for delivery, really? And whatever that delivery is, because you know, obviously that's country specific. And the second thing hmm, that was been been really interesting to me is that um, obviously, as a digital leader, you're supposed to be many things. You're supposed to be, you know, chief strategist for your government on digital stuff. You're also basically uh, like a chief political officer because you have to somehow get political support. You do public communications. You do uh, recruiting, so you're like a chief talent officer for your team. I mean, there are many roles and hats you choose like that. But the the most important thing, I think, what's where, again, excellent leaders stand out is that they are really the, the biggest and the main voice of the user, of the people, of the citizen in their government. And I think that really frames what they focus on, that really frames what the teams focus on, that really frames, again, the leap forward in the governments. So adopting this role and mindset that, hey, 
you know, we are really there, you know, like for the users, we are really making this change and, you know, being, representing them in the government. I think that's really quite a big thing. And again, it's a mindset thing, but it's also a practice thing all the way to like, you know, is it part of your value set for your team? I would say that actually, if I was then to identify another common denominator between these two elements that you mentioned, one is all about indeed like the citizen centricity, you know, in the sense you yeah. have talked about delivery and being focused on delivery, which means that ultimately it's the end user and the experience that that matters. No, what is the value that it gets from that? Absolutely. But I think that's in your daily stuff. I mean, uh, in your portfolio of things, a digital leader, you have also like a number of things that all will lead to end user experience, but I mean, immediately, not necessarily. So if you do stuff like, you know, X road classically, right. Or, you know, you try to, I don't know, implement data exchange solution, right. I mean, obviously this will impact and make lives of users easier down the line, but fundamentally the delivery you're after is actually making your agencies adopt it. Right. So this is my point of saying that your immediate goal might be shorter, but in the back of the great leader's head is always saying, Hey, whom are we working for at the end of the day? And like I said, they incorporate into the value set of the teams. They really, let's say, even remind the teams all the time saying, hey, what would the user want? And and uh, and they basically you know, even challenge their teams. Hey, what's the user need? Yeah, because in any case, uh, after all, uh, even before being a digital leader, you are also like a digital user in a sense. You're a citizen as well of the same country. So you are. Uh, yeah. But funny enough, funny enough that many, um, many of us in government and here I'm going beyond digital leadership, right? Don't really take that hat along with when you go to work. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I say. It's like a, it has to be like a constantly on your mind and, and your own sort of, let's say, value set thing that you actually will make a conscious effort to remember that. That even if you enter the government office, so to speak, right, you know, go through the front door, you're still a citizen too. Yeah, it's like uh, somehow, like, don't forget where you're coming from, no, a exactly. little bit. Exactly. Uh, Absolutely. And it, that's this type of thing. Have you seen? I mean, I assume that you've seen this type of approach also, like uh, in the in the experiences of the other digital leaders that you have spoken to. Do you remember maybe like one or two? Not, I, I will not like ask you for an anticipation. Let's say of what's going to be in the book. Uh, also, because in any case, there will be the talk at the at the governance conference that will uh, where we will address that. But uh, connected to this um, to this topic, let's say of not forgetting that you're still in any case like a citizen and also a user. Uh, do you have anything in particular maybe that you remember that uh, that was coming from someone else's experience and that maybe you had not thought of before? Still about this topic of, let's say, not forgetting what was, let's say, your original role, which is the one in any case of a citizen using a service. Mm -hmm. I think the most powerful thing, and this comes from actually various people who've done that, is that whatever thing we are solving for, you know, basically the stuff that you know teams are working on in in let's say central digital teams like that right and basically even in the meetings you as a leader of course to also challenge your team and ask hey like what is the user need actually how will you talk to the user i mean even if you're doing policy initiative right i mean have you talked to the user in the end so even if the user immediately ends is like another agency so what i'm just saying is i think a lot of the stuff it really comes down to like daily habits and daily work routines and and that then if, if we implement it into like a daily thinking like that then big change can happen from that so basically look if 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 a team comes to me for example or, or let's say another leader like that um with a proposal to do uh, i don't know some new uh, platform uh you know for a new service channel for example or some new like small service improvement or go to cloud or whatever then basically 
the thing, number one thing to ask is, okay, but hey, what's the user need behind? The small things we can put into our daily habits and practices. So, and to basically making it a routine to even guide our teams with questions like that, uh, they will start changing their mindset and it becomes really uh, part of the culture. Sim, in, uh, you have recently um, released an interview to a Global Government Forum where you said one thing about the, the, the process or the attitude, let's say, to keep and maintain throughout this process of like change while you spend, in any case, like some years in government and this type of role of digital leadership, which was that uh, some digital leaders might get, might get tired, let's say, of the act of change, no? This is something that, that has stuck with me a little bit. First of all, I wanted to ask you, did you get tired with the act of change? But apart from that, um, I also wanted to I also wanted to say, what does it what does it mean exactly? In the sense, um, should change like always happen? How did that take shape in your experience while government CIO in Estonia? Um, and uh, and also, like how to address, let's say, this kind of like how to think forward when maybe a digital leader is experiencing some change fatigue, let's say. Well, so what was interesting through this interview, even for the book, and then I come to my own experience, was that quite a few people also said, look, these are hard jobs. I mean, these are not easy jobs because if you're trying to change stuff, I mean, there will be obstacles along the way. And how big those obstacles are, it depends on like a factor of things, a number of things. Uh, including, you know, what's the over-governance setup? How easy it is to block them? What sort of mandate you have? What sort of resources you have? Stuff like that. Quite a few people also left quite exhausted and had to basically, you know, again, take a break to, to build up from that. They're very honest about it. So this means a few things. You've got to preserve yourself. But also, it, I guess it means that you really have to know when to, you know, step away as well. I think I was getting to the same point a bit, saying that um, after all those years, um, the, it's not the change itself, perhaps, I should correct my statement a bit, that becomes a routine, but the steps you do to have it. <laughs> so basically, change management is what we're talking about here. I think uh, everybody in the Governance Academy and, and, and many people listening here know this. Right? Basically, we are transforming how government works. Right? To do that, there are classical change management things in terms of how you do your communication, how do you get past obstacles, stuff like that. These acts become... Uh, routine meaning because in a way that they get repetitive you know it's the things you have to do again and again for the next task for the next innovation whatever like that so so that's the routine thing and that's the possible fatigue that kicks in in my case in my own very personal case i like to believe that i was able to leave at a point when um it wasn't because of obstacles were becoming too big unfortunately quite a few peers have also left because they just felt that there's nothing more they can do right there's this the wall is too big in front of them this wasn't my case. I think in my case, it was rather saying, hey, like, I don't have the best energy anymore, really, right? So basically, exactly, let's get somebody fresh to come in and then take it to the next level, like I said. So I think you also have to be really honest, and not just in digital government, but in any leadership role like that. If you uh, if you really want to lead your teams and, and through like like have them achieve stuff, your energy has to be with them or beyond that, right? So uh, if the teams gets past you, then basically, yeah, do something else for a while. <laughs> no, but Sim, on this topic of the wall, just one question on that, in the sense, just to stay, to stick to the metaphor, let's say, no? of these experiences that you have in mind, where indeed someone has, a, has seen, let's say, this like wall ahead and have decided maybe like, that, it, that it was better to indeed uh, just do something else for some more time. 
what does this wall look like in the sense what is this wall about is it about the fact of like feeling that maybe um the positive like your own capacity to innovate and envision let's say the innovation has some somehow like reached a certain cap let's say so it has i don't know topped out let's let's say or it's because in any case and it's more related instead to the world around so uh, the fact that maybe like technology, technology of course, like advances continuously. So maybe that the new challenges are not. Uh, so that is not really like about one person's capacity to innovate and envision innovation, but rather instead maybe about the context and the fact that everything is changing a bit too much, and you are not really seeing how to in- interpret, let's say, this change or uh, adopt the technology in service of the citizen, let's say, um, for a government perspective. Well, I think it's probably must be very personal. I think you ask a good question in that sense. Um, it depends really on the, on the, on the people, like, um, in my own personal view. And I think for the most peers that I would know, it's not that you somehow the world overwhelms you, <laughs> it's rather what's becomes overwhelming is really bringing this change around you to your own government. Right. I think that's what we're talking about here in a way. So whether it's because, you know, I don't know, there's, you know, not enough resources, whether it's because you have to fight for the resources too much, whether you don't have the political backing and, and whether it's the issues that are not talent is not available enough. Right? So basically, these sort of things become too hard, so can become too hard. Now, in, in my own view, I think most of us in this role are very enthusiastic about technology. I think that's the fun part that keeps us in the job, among many other things. Um, as one of the factors that that's fun about it is that yeah, I mean, there's always the next thing there to try and experiment with and uh, and uh, and see what good can come out of it for the you know people of your country. But but yeah, it's more exactly just you know the the, the process of making change happen. This is what we're talking about here. This uh, is not easy. In you know some people really have a hard time just leading the stuff through like that. In or it just basically itself uh, no. You feel like it's the same, same, but different <laughs> the next day again. And that's the routine stuff that can kick in. Now, I think there are some people who amazingly do a good job on this. We have quite a few peers who do several terms in this job. Uh, it's very personal how they, I guess, also manage themselves, their energy levels, uh, etc. So I think the key really here is that so very, very, very modern way, I guess, saying that, hey, there's quite a bit about that I think leaders also have to do to really manage themselves and preserve themselves. See, from like following this line of thinking, then I would uh, I would dig into like two other topics that it just comes to my mind that we can like single out, let's say, about sure. your own personal experience, but in general, the experience of a digital leader. Sure. Uh, one is definitely the license to innovate, no? in the sense the fact that uh, in order to as you said, see a new technological development and just uh, allow yourself, let's say, to try it and experiment it and test it, which, which is actually what made most of the uh, of the story of Estonia, let's say, come to yes. realization. In any case, you have to be, uh, you, you need to, let's say, have the the power, the, the capacity. So not just the capacity, but also the power, in a sense, the legitimacy to innovate. No, uh, And this is something that comes in any case, um, following an interaction with also political leaders, because in any case, we're talking about government, we're talking about public sector. So how did that 
come to being, let's say, come to light in your case? And uh, how important is this indeed, like the fact of being given the license to innovate? And then the second thing that I will ask you, but I will reintroduce it later, is how you give this to others below you in the hierarchy, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, mm, it's a nice word you term you put license to innovate in a way or license to you know even you know do change. Let's put it this way. I mean, uh, like that. So the best and smart, some of the best and smartest digital leaders really go in asking for this sort of license, right? So basically mandate, right? So they don't even take the job without it. And I think they're wise about it and then to do so. Um, secondly, uh, some of them who don't have it immediately or immediately start working towards it. So basically that's the political part of the job in many ways. It is a political job, even if you're a civil servant, uh, you have to manage, you know, a political side of the job. Um, and the, but the third thing is that at least it depends, I think, on a country and the governance culture and so forth, how much does there have to be an explicit mandate or, you know, license to do something differently or innovate? Let's take Estonia, basically. I think we reached a point where, uh, where you know, unless you need extra resources, really, meaning more money or whatever like that, then the license to do stuff is there. You just do it. I very much myself throughout my whole career in in, in Estonian government have always said that, felt that like mandates are not given; they are asked. So basically, uh, if you as a digital government leader, your team, you see a road to go to, let's say in Estonia, that's how we went to artificial intelligence in the government, right? Nobody asked us to. Nobody told us to. We rather saw that, hey, this has to be the way. We started playing with it because we didn't need any, like, any sort of you know license for that, or any, any resource for that. As it started to grow bigger, we need to scale. Then we went and got the mandate also to do, do stuff on a bigger scale. So, um, so what I'm trying to get to is that I think in many ways, again, a good leader doesn't necessarily wait for a mandate. They might ask for it, and they probably will ask for it, but they will also, uh, you know, be happy to grab it themselves. And then uh, let's talk about the, the trickling down, let's say, of this mandate, meaning, in any case, something that you mentioned before is the you mentioned a, a word that I think is pretty key in the sense, and it's coordination, because before you were talking exactly about uh, how digital leaders, in any case, like especially in the roles maybe of a government CIO or of a at large, let's say more at large, a digital agency that within the government then oversees, or in any case, like, um, cooperates with the different ministries and the yeah. different public yeah. agencies to deliver the services. So how does this mandate then trickle down on the agencies and the people within your team, for example, uh, to actually bring these innovations to life? These are two quite different dynamics, though, right? So with your own team, you have a managerial role. You basically, you know, have a all the way to choosing, let's say, who is on your team, are they with you, and so forth, right? So, so obviously, in that sort of direct sort of managerial role, I mean, uh, getting alignment is much, much easier. I mean, I don't mean that you have to be hard boss, <laughs> but I just also mean that fundamentally, like, you control the shots, you control what happens in your team, you set up the culture, you lead it, and stuff like that. So, but it's, but it's again, it's fully up to any leader in digital government to also create that culture of sorts. So, to, for example, to encourage experimentation, to carve out, I think even the biggest thing is not just even talk about that, yes, experimentation is allowed. Um, the stuff that managers do, that leaders in that sense do, is that we create structures, processes, uh, we give resources. 
So let's say by giving our people, you know, time and money to experiment, for example, I mean, that's what really matters. And so you have to manage for that and you have to basically like do that. So <laughs> random example. So when, when I was in, in government CEO role, I basically told my government CTO, so my, my very good sidekick, that look, he has to take one or two weeks off from everything else just to get like our vision for the next government, uh, the next digital government architecture down, right? And that's an example of, let's say, putting resource behind it, let's say, enabling them to really, you know, uh, get creative and, 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 and not be bogged down to the rest of the work in a way. Now, it's different with other agencies, obviously, because you don't command them, usually. I mean, some of uh, governments really set up really strong mm -hmm. digital mandates for like central digital teams, but still you don't command them. And and even then, stick is a very bad tool. I mean, carrots and charm work way better. <laughs> so there's a lot. Uh, I think there's quite a lot of tricks in, in the book as well by different people about how to do that stuff. The concrete institutional mechanisms for coordination and, and will differ. But the common theme is that everybody tries to really set up uh, ways of collaboration and, and it, they are relentless in networking and relationship building because that's the way to get others to move in the direction you want. See, like this conversation made me understand, first of all, that I mean, I had no particular doubt about it beforehand, but that your session at the governance conference definitely is going to be a, a key, let's say, for all digital leaders who are going to uh, who are going to attend the conference, which I remind everyone that they can do in a hybrid mode, so either like online or offline. But also, I'm really curious at this point to, like, I'm not saying it because I'm the host of the podcast and you're the guest, but I'm really curious at this point to, um, to read your book and to see like what are also the experiences and how you made sense of it, in a sense, like of, of them, in uh, how you put them together and collected them. No, but, thank you. But I, think, I think the conference will also be one of the first attempts to really do it on a big stage. So I'm also really looking forward to this and, uh, and have this story also evolve. Thank you. Perfect. And so, Seem, with this, I'll wrap up this episode of the Digital Government Podcast. Thanks a lot for, uh, for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> And uh, with this, I will just, of course, like, give you a reminder to everyone that the e-governance conference 2022, it's happening between May 10th and May 12th in a hybrid format, as I said, offline in Tallinn and online at 2022.egovconference.ee, where you can go now to register yourself, get your tickets and just be there because it's, of course, like it's going to be it's going to be a great conference. And um, to all our listeners, tune into the next episode and uh, to all of you actually just see you in Tallinn and see you at the governance conference and uh, that's it for me have a nice day this podcast is brought to you by e-governance academy tune in on next wednesday <laughs>